If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, we're going to just work our way through this particular passage of Scripture and looking at itching ears, truth, and a changing culture. That'll be our charge tonight to look at what does it look like to live in the midst of a culture that continues to be changing, in the midst of a culture that would say, what is true for you may not be true for me. We live in a world of universalism that any way that would ultimately lead you to a pathway of happiness would be okay. But we're living in a, an increasingly postmodern world that would say that there is no actual truth, that whatever you believe, whatever makes you happy, whatever is right for you, whatever is good for you, follow that pathway to its ultimate end. In fact, as I looked on the Google this week, it's always a good place to start your sermon research on the Google. Uh, I looked around at some different places in which Maybe I could find some, some opposites to what we believe as good Bible-believing people who stand on the truth of God's Word. And as I begin to search, you could find an article, you could find a website, you could find a sermon, you could find a teacher, you could find somebody that would affirm anything that you would possibly want to do. Anything that your flesh would tell you that you want to do, anything that maybe the Bible would call sin, you could find somebody out there, you could find some article out there that would tell you, you know what, I know that thousands of years of every biblically sound and literate person would tell you that you shouldn't do this. But guess what? In the past 10 years, we've been found, we found out a way that it's okay to do what you want to do. I mean, it's out there. You search the internet, you can find somebody that will tell you exactly what you want to do that your flesh would tell you that you would like to do. It's out there. It's called relativism. It's called anything that you want, anything that makes you feel good, anything that would lead you to a place of happiness. If it's true for you, it can be true for you, but also true for me, even if the truths do not play well together. And so as we come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 5, we'll have conversations about this as we, uh, in our uh, Your One Evangelism Essentials, we'll take a whole week to talk about evangelizing in the midst of a postmodern world. But tonight, I just want us to focus on truth. 2 Timothy 4 gives us this familiar phrase, itching ears. It's a beautiful phrase because we know people, we know uh, our culture lives in a world of itching ears. You want your your ears to scratch with exactly that thing that will make it go away. You just want want your your itch scratched. And so let's talk about 2 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Paul writing to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Paul charges Timothy to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They'll turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. And as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together. The Lord, help us as we open your word to listen, to be sober-minded, to endure good truth, and to apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. So you see in verse 3 what almost feels like it could be written today. Does it not? You feel like today you could read the headline or this could be a sermon, that there will be a day, there will be a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. 
They'll wander off into all sorts of things. They'll have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit your own passion. It feels like even though these words were written many, many years ago, uh, ago that they could be written and they feel like they apply to today, right now, in this moment. It feels like we're walking right here. Does it not? You feel it? I'll be the only one. We feel it. This time is coming. It feels like it's right here that we live in a culture in which uh, sound teaching is not tolerated that people all around have itching ears to accumulate for themselves people to tell them the very things that they want to do. And so let's look at our outline. The first blank is how do we know if we are enduring sound teaching? We are good Baptists. We're people of the book. We believe deeply in the Bible and it's transforming truth. We believe that this is the inerrant word of God and we hold fast to what it means, what it says, that it is not some uh, wandering thing that changes according to time and place. We believe in the truth of it from the beginning to the end. And so how do we know that we are enduring sound teaching? That'll be our aim tonight. That'll be our goal that we will know that we are enduring sound teaching. One, we ask this question. As we come to truth in our culture, truth on TV, truth that people are bringing to us, and yes, this can be applicable both in the church, but also outside of the church. One, do I know that this is scriptural truth? As you read, as you perceive, as you learn, as you hear, do you know, do I know that this is scriptural truth? I've always loved the the insights from our bank tellers who say that they can spot counterfeit money uh, so quickly as it touches their fingertips because they count, they touch the real goods over and over and over thousands and thousands and thousands of dollar bills on a consistent basis. And so the moment that a false bill steps onto their uh, fingertips, they know it immediately because they've handled the real thing for many and many years. And in the same way as believers, we soak, we digest, we know truth so well that when a a lie, when a, a, a falsehood creeps in, we say, that's not right. Hold on a second, time out. This isn't real, this isn't right, this is of the devil, this is not right. You think about Jesus in the wilderness as he is tempted by the enemy, what, what, what happens? The enemy comes and presents scripture and twists it in such a way that as soon as Jesus hears it, what does he do but reply back with truth? And if we're gonna live in the midst of a culture that is changing, then we have to have the truth so concrete in our minds that when a falsehood slips in, when wrongness, when half-truths, when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and bring into our hearts and into our minds falsehoods, we should know truth so readily and so well that we would at least say, hold on a minute. Hold on just a second. I don't think this adds up. As you listen to prosperity, preachers begin to tell you that if you would just have enough faith, if you would just do this, if you would just sow a seed into this ministry, then you would be blessed tenfold. As you hear those words and you listen to what we talked about this morning with Paul, a man of the the word going after it, preaching and teaching as he pleads with the Lord, you would see from the whole counsel of scripture, not a cherry picked falsehood, the whole counsel of truth in God's word. So friends, I would ask you, do you know this is scriptural truth? Do you know truth well enough? Do you handle truth on a consistent basis? Do you know God's word so well that when this culture feeds a lie or a half-truth that you would say, hold on a second. Red flags go off in your head. You begin to say, hold on, this isn't right. Secondly, how do we know when we're enduring sound teaching? Do I know that this is scriptural truth or do I accept or reject it due to how it makes me feel? Do I accept or reject truth based upon how it makes me feel? 
Friends, there are times that we come to Scripture and that we come to truth. We hear a sermon, we hear a Bible study, or we come to a lecture, or we come to accountability, and there are times when God's Word hits us over the head like a thousand-pound brick. Right? You read it and you say, oh, man, that's, that's me. Got it. Oh, that hurts. That one hurts. That one smarts a little bit. We feel the pain of what it, what, it, what it says on the page, and we don't say, well, that hurts too much. I don't think I can do it. There's a, a word for this that you learn in seminary as you're reading and studying God's word. It's called exegesis. That is, you're reading God's word, you're, you're, you're reading it, you're dissecting it, you're pulling out the good truths of God's word. You're pulling out of the text what is there. There's a falsehood that our culture would say, it's called eisegesis, that you read into the text. And so you come to God's word and you say, this is how I feel, and so I'm looking for it. I'm gonna read into it what I want to see there. Our goal as believers is to pull out, to pull out God's word, to see what's there and read out of it the truth that it's there in context of how it's written. So often we can look at passages and we can find things that we either accept or we reject based on how we feel. And friends, God's word is not a how you feel today, whether I accept it or reject it. There are things in scripture that are hard to hear. And if you looked at it and you said, I, I see what the Bible says about forgiveness. I see that it says it, but I, I just don't think I'm going to do it. It's just too hard. The Bible, you don't understand, God. You don't understand how this person wronged me. You don't get it, God. You don't understand how this thing is what it is. And you don't understand all that I've been through, all this that this person has done for me. There's no way that I can forgive that person. And I, I can't do it. And so I'm just not going to happen. See, God's word is God's truth, no matter how we feel about it. We can hunt information or facts that make them agree to what we want to agree with. But friends, we don't accept God's word based upon how we feel about it. God's word remains God's truth regardless of our feelings. It still remains true. Number three, do I act upon it if it is God's truth? Do I act upon it? If it is true, if it is good, doctrinally sound teaching, do we act upon God's truth in our lives? Friends, we should be seekers after, if you turn over on the back of your outline, you'll see we seek after truth rather than once. Our desire in truth seeking and being people of God's word is that we seek after truth rather than our wants and our desires. At times, God's word will afflict the comfortable, and at times God's word will comfort the afflicted. But we seek after truth far more than we'd seek after our wants. We come to God's word with the attitude of speak, Lord, I'm listening, not Lord, I'm speaking, would you please listen? We always come with that attitude of Lord, speak through your word, would you speak to my heart? And would you let me be quiet to listen to your word, to what you would have me do and say, Lord, would you speak to me, Lord? So then I'd ask you this, what is our role in this? As we come to God's word, what is our role in digesting and knowing God's word? When friends, we've got to be steadfast in digesting truth. Steadfast. Digesting the truth into our hearts. Can I say this is both applicable in the realm of Christianity and the Bible, but it's also true in every realm of our lives. 
that we've got to be steadfast in digesting truth. I'm afraid that we've, we've lived in a culture that has digested truth, and that truth may be more Fox News and CNN and the Internet and Facebook and social media than it is God's Word. But we are so resolute about getting our truth from every source other than God's Word and true places. For instance, Christianity, we speak truth. We are truth tellers. We live and breathe truth. We are all about truth. And so we're living in a culture, in a world that would say, get your truth from every avenue other than the actual place that truth resides. But friends, it's good to get news. It's good to get information from good places. But do not forsake the resolute need of the believer to get truth from God's word and digest it daily. And there are things that are not the same. We digest, we live, we build the foundation of our lives. We look through everything by the truth of God's word. As you look out into the world, as you create your worldview and your framework by which you digest every bit of information that you get, everything is done through the lens of God's word. As you look into the world, as you digest different things, different pieces of information, as you digest the difficult things that we see in our world, you're doing it through the lens and through the worldview of Scripture. For instance, if you're building a house, you would start with the foundation of God's Word. That is the very foundation, and it is not equivalent to other things in this world. It is everything. And so we are steadfast and daily, moment by moment, digesting God's word, ingesting it, letting us live and breathe God's truth-filled life. It pains me when we as believers spend so little time digesting, soaking, believing, filling our hearts with God's word, and so much time filling our souls with so much garbage that we believe has so much weight. And so we are steadfast in digesting truth. Number two, we are prepared in delivering truth. If you go back to this text, Paul would charge to Timothy to be prepared to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. So we are prepared in delivering truth. Friends, we live in the midst of a lost and dying world, so we should be prepared to deliver truth, the truth of the gospel, the hope that we have in Jesus. We are prepared as we walk out into a world that does not know truth to deliver the truth of God's word to people, the hope of Jesus and what he has done to save us from our sins, that we are prepared to talk to people. We're not ashamed of the gospel, that faith comes from hearing, and so we go out in force to share the good news of Jesus, to share truth cannot reiterate enough how important it is as believers that we share the truth with people, that we are prepared in delivering truth, which would lead me well into number three, to be patient in loving not just unbelievers, but everyone. There's a beautiful passage right here. As Paul gives to Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience. It's a word that I often neglect, right? It's a word that we often neglect as we come to God's word to preach it and teach it, that we are patient in loving unbelievers. At times, we are so resolute about winning the war, winning the battle of the argument that we lose the people, that we're patient in our love with people, that we're patient and kind and compassionate and empathetic as we share truth with people. 
We're not beating people over the head with our Bibles, that we are loving and empathetic and sharing truth with people. And we are patient day in, day out, loving people with truth. So friends, this word to be patient and loving unbelievers is a huge word with mash, massive ramifications for us as people of truth. To be patient. Loving, which would lead us to number four, to be steadfast in enduring suffering. We understand that the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They're going to have itching ears. They're going to go to all sorts of different places to suit their own passions. They'll turn away from listening to truth and wander off into myths. As for you, be sober-minded. Endure suffering. We understand, friends, that we're living in an increasingly hostile environment to the truth of Scripture. The very foundation that Jesus is the only way to heaven is almost a blasphemous claim in our culture to say that there is one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus. To talk through the truths of Scripture and what we're calling people towards repentance and change is almost blasphemous and bigoted in our culture. And so at times we have to say, is it worth it? Do we believe this truth? Do we live this truth? Has Jesus changed us from the inside out? And are we prepared to endure the suffering that comes along with lovingly and graciously talking about truth? Even though suffering would come, we don't shy away from it. And in a loving way, we don't say, well, I guess this is going to cause an argument. Or I guess I don't need to say that because I don't want to step on any toes. No, we are lovingly and graciously called to share truth with people. But we do it in a gracious, in a patient, in a loving way. And then finally, Paul would say this, fulfill your ministry. Be joyful in fulfilling your ministry would be number five. As Paul called Timothy to endure suffering and to be patient in his calling, Paul says to be joyful in fulfilling your ministry. As we look at this, you could say, well, that's Paul. Paul's called Timothy to fulfill his ministry. But friends, you are called to fulfill your ministry. As I look across and scan across this room, you are the, you're the all-stars coming out on a Sunday night, bringing your family here, being a part. But as I look around this room, none of you are the same. You probably know that. Everybody's different in this room. The Lord has blessed each one of you differently with different gifts, with different talents, with different resources and abilities. The Lord has blessed each of you differently. As it says in Hebrews, run your race with endurance, the race that is set before you. And so tonight, as you leave this place and as you begin to crank up your car for the next day of work or school or whatever it may be, the Lord has put you on a pathway to influence the people who are around you. He's uniquely blessed you with an opportunity to share and tell and love people who are near to you. And so as Paul says, fulfill your ministry, be prepared, be sober-minded, endure the suffering, be ready to preach the word in season and out of season, know that you will leave this place tonight carrying the truth of the gospel with you. And so will you be joyful to fulfill the ministry that is before you, the calling that the Lord has placed in your heart? I pray that we are. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. I know as we continue on and study your word, as we talk through over the coming weeks and months what it looks like for us to be faithful men and women in a world 
that has forsaken at times, it seems, truth. Lord, we as believers in Montgomery, Alabama, where we want to be steadfast in trusting in your truth. Lord, we don't want to be people that would itch our ears and look for people to scratch our itches. And we want to look for people who would just tell us what we want to hear or only accept truth if it makes it feel good. Lord, we want to accept your truth and your calling in our life, even if it calls us to hard places, difficult things. Because we know the joy that is set before us, Lord, if we follow you and trust in you. There is joy in trusting in you. Lord, you sustain us. You make us whole. Lord, you give us peace. You give us endurance. You give us patience. Lord, we want to be sober-minded. We want to be watchful. Lord, we want to be like those bank tellers who, who touch the real thing daily. We want to be so in tune to your word that when the enemy would come to steal, kill, and destroy, we instantaneously know, no, Lord, that's not right. So help us. Help us in this task. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.